Welcome to the Office 365 Developer Podcast, the only show focused on Office 365 development, where Andrew and I talk to experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 platform. For more information on Office 365 development, visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. All right, welcome to episode 98 of the Office 365 Developer Podcast. I am your host solo this week because uh, Andrew Coates is off traveling the world. He's coming from the uh, wonderful island of Australia, or I guess island continent, something like that. And Isn't it a continent, Richard? It, it might be. It, you know what? When I play Risk, I don't know if we have any Risk players that listen to the show. Like that's where that's my stronghold is Australia because there's like only <laughs> one way onto it. So every turn I get my two little like fighters and and then I probably lose after that. But but yeah, never yeah. start a land war in Asia, right? That's right. Yeah, I, I I'll I'll set up like a thousand men right at the border of of Australia and then I'll just take over. So that that's your goal, Australia, with all this like. Brexit stuff, you guys need to take over Asia. Okay, you heard it here first. <laughs> okay, well, I'm not here with, with Andrew Coates, but I do have a fantastic guest. I have Tom Reising joining me. Tom, thanks for being on the show. Hey, Richard. Thanks, thanks for having me. I, uh, I don't think I can be a, a good substitute for Andrew, but hopefully I can bring something else to the show this week. You don't, you don't have the like instant credit, cred with the um, Australian accent. That's I, right. Like, there's just something with like that Australian or British accent that gives cred. They like they they don't feel that happens, but I certainly <laughs> think it does. Um, but you do have a, a great pedigree in the Office 365 and SharePoint space, and um, it's funny we had Paul Stubbs, who's uh, kind of a, a dotted line team member to you a, a few weeks back, and when we talked to Paul, um, I made the comment that. That, that team, that Max team within Microsoft has just been doing all these amazing – actually, I'll take a step back. I think Microsoft in general has been making like some amazing hires lately. So yourself, Dan Holm, um, I mean just lots and lots of people that like I'm just like, wow, this kind of restores my faith in what we're doing around here. <laughs> um, but you came from like, – give us a little bit of background about yourself. You actually came from the MVP world, right? Yeah, that's right. I, I've um, I've won a couple MVP awards, not as many as Dan Holm, who uh, I've been I've been happy to be a new coworker with. He's he's in an office uh, building not too far from me, so it's great to have people like him and Chris McNulty, another MVP oh, recent yeah, hire on campus. So it's good to see those guys around, and it uh, it does give me a little bit of connection. I don't feel like an entire newbie to Microsoft, although, you know, this is a huge campus and sometimes confusing. <laughs> it can be. You need to go to the building. I'm based in Building 9, and I'm not kidding. I think the architects of that building were just like, we're going to totally mess with their heads. We're to like, that, like That was their goal when they built the It's like two X, Xs, but then Xs within the Xs, and like you need to leave seriously breadcrumbs. To, to get around it. <laughs> I I did go over to uh to the cafe in nine is supposed to be really good. I had lunch with uh Christina Singletary from um Microsoft Learning who's yeah. doing the um the SharePoint um exam learning 
uh, I had lunch with her over there. So, yeah, it's a great building. Yeah, it, it does have a good cafeteria. I'll, I'll have to say that. But once you go upstairs, it's like all bets are off on if you're going to find your way out of it. It might be hours later before you find an exit. Be, you have been warned. So, um, you know, in addition to that, not only did you just join Microsoft, you actually trekked across the U.S. and actually moved to Seattle because you were, you were a, a fellow Texan there, right? That's right. Yeah, I've been uh, I moved to San Antonio in 97. So uh, quite a while in Texas. And uh, it's a big move. But uh, and I miss Texas. Shout out to to Texas. And uh, but I'm really enjoying the weather in Seattle. It's like 60 today on July 5th, which July 6th, which is pretty, pretty crazy. You couldn't imagine that in San Antonio. (laughs) Yeah, it's probably a bit warmer there. I know in Dallas, it's uh, we're approaching everything's like right around 99 degrees. We haven't quite hit the hundreds yet, but that'll just be a a few days. So this is they, they call this recruiting weather. And and we hope yes. that you you are around it enough to forget the other, I don't know, six months where it's more full-time miserable. <laughs> <laughs> they keep telling me about the horrible weather in Seattle, and so far I have not seen it. So I think it's just a, a myth to try and keep people away from here. <laughs> So um, you, how long have you been in based out of Seattle now? Well, yeah. So I started my first day here on campus was April 18th. So uh, it's been a while now, a few months. Nice. So you're on like uh, working on three months almost. Almost three months. Three months. Yeah. And we just moved into a uh, a townhouse in Kirkland. I, I, uh, it's a it's a really tough market here near Microsoft for housing, but uh, we just finally found a place to to own and, and move into. So we're real excited about that. Cool. Well, we'll um, we're going to definitely talk a lot about um, some of the things that you're working on. I know with your deep roots in SharePoint, there's got to be some, some great SharePoint involved in it. Um, I know that uh, you've taken some interesting paths on your way to Microsoft, spent some time at, at Jive, I know, right? Um, that's right. Which Yeah, that's, that's a little different. It is a little bit different. Um, that's interesting combination with uh, SharePoint and Jive, but uh, we're super happy to have you at Microsoft. And like I said, it's it's one of those uh, big high impact hires. I think that uh, revalidate kind of what we're doing. It makes me makes me excited. So um, I thought we'd knock out some of the announcements for the week, uh, some of the community contributions and we'll talk a little bit more with with Tom about some of the things that that he's working on in his team. So it, it I'll be honest it's a little bit of a quiet week. Um we're starting to uh really kind of wind down uh the year at Microsoft. So the Microsoft works on a, a physical year that runs July to June. So we just it's a new year for us. It's it's 2017. Um and so it seems it's really quite out of the Microsoft space because of that turn of the year. But there were a few things. One of them that's really big for me, I've, I've made, uh, as we talked about me and Andrew Coates last week around mobile development, one of the byproducts of me doing a lot of mobile development is that I carry a Mac now. And I will tell you that I, I'm a Microsoft guy, and I probably can get in trouble for saying this, but the the link experience on a Mac is like the worst thing in the world. Oh, like it's not a matter of right? when links going to crash. It's a matter of like how many times in an hour is it going to crash oh, on you? That's too bad. And it's, you're still calling it link. You well, know, so called it, out 
uh, another podcast recently for their use of Link in their intro. Who's that? <laughs> the Microsoft Cloud Show. I, they had it Link in their intro. And I said, you know, it's been – they renamed it um, Skype for Business more than a year ago. <laughs> you know why that is? That's because uh, Andrew Connell, who's one of the co-hosts of that show – well, actually, Chris Johnson, I think, as well, they both – Use a Mac, and there hasn't been a Skype for Business client on a Mac um, until oh, they didn't call that out. So yeah, so you had to. Yeah, you had to use the old Link client, and that's probably why it crashes all the time because it's Link, the Link client connecting to a Skype for Business server or Skype for uh, Business online, and so I think yeah. it just like there's different protocol. I think um, I think they adopted some of the the uh, the codecs that Skype consumer used and so the the client didn't handle it all that well you uh, you got a little update that made it a little bit more stable but it still wasn't great well this week on office blogs the announcement of a preview of skype for business on mac and i've got to tell you i've been using it now for like two days and i, I have grins like i have it's awesome, awesome. I'm so excited that like like you know at Microsoft everyone like that's the main form of communication in a lot of ways is instant message and half the time I'll look and my little link client would be just crashed and I didn't even know it um and so it's super cool if you're a if you're a Mac user and you felt the pain that I felt you can go get now a Skype for business client it's a preview but it's it's pretty solid I haven't had any problems with it yet well, that's really good news. You know, I think that's a, a sign of change at Microsoft. It wouldn't be uh, too long ago where even having a Mac on campus um, might uh, might be dangerous. But these days, you see quite a lot of them, and uh, you see more and more uh, of the updates for the software for the Mac coming out. Yeah, you know, it'll be interesting. We, we've gotten into a, a pattern of developing our great applica- mobile applications tend to, like, land on iOS first now. Um, I wonder, you know, there's still like Mac isn't even like even a fraction of what Windows is in the enterprise. But like it certainly is, I think, picking up some steam, uh, Mac usage. So I'll be interesting to see like how like when the next version of Skype for Business comes out, am I going to have to wait like three years again or will it be something that will land quicker? Um, I think it will be an interesting thing to pay attention to over the next few years. Um, a few other things in in the community. Uh, I'll point out one here from Sahil Malik, who we had on the show uh, about a month ago. And this is actually related to some of the things we discussed on the show. So uh, Sahil put together a, a really nice article, article for Code Magazine on AngularJS 2, Azure AD, and Office 365. So um, there's not a Angular JS2 is certainly a, a super hot topic right now. Um, I did an Office Dev show on this the other week, or actually last week, and this week as well is kind of Angular 2 based as well. But uh, he does a really good article uh, that talks about the, you know how how is this different when you're developing with TypeScript? How do you get authenticated? Um, and it it really sometimes when I do instruction on how to get started with Angular 2 or whatever platform it might be. Maybe it's Xamarin or maybe it's iOS. A lot of times I take for granted that people understand the concept of registering applications and a little bit more around Azure AD's role in things. And and so it's good to see another developer's perspective on things. He does a good job of, of going into the detail around every single thing you need to do to get 
um, an, an app up and running. Uh, so, so definitely check out Sahil's uh, article. It, it does a, a good job. And he, he's even updated this because Angular 2 has gone through a few revs now. I think we're on our, like release candidate 4, and he's already updated it for RC4. Uh, so, so really good article there. Um, the other one. Sahil's a great, uh, a great dev dev writer. I've always always heard great things from people who uh, who read his stuff. Yeah, yeah. He he. I, he's one of those guys that. Um, I feel like he's a lot like me in that, like I have a lot of experience developing on all the Office 365 stuff, SharePoint stuff. But a lot of times when I go and meet other SharePoint developers, they're kind of really centered around like the the SharePoint developing stack, like like C Sharp doing feature framework. Um, and Sahil's got a really good background in like some wide technologies. So it's all, I, I really enjoy reading his stuff. It's, it's, it's good. He's also a really funny guy. You should follow him on Twitter. Um, I don't know. It's, sometimes his jokes are colorful, but he, like he, I don't know where he gets them from, but he's got like four or five jokes a day. Sometimes they're a little politically charged, but, um, if you take it in good fun, I think he's, uh, he's got a side job, I think as a comedian. So I uh, follow him on Twitter. It's good stuff. Um, the other thing this week is there is a new Office Dev Show. I just alluded to it. Uh, we did a show last week on getting started developing Angular 2 applications with the Microsoft Graph. Uh, so in that, we did just a standalone web application. It used the Angular 2 quick start template and, and got you going really, really quick. So if you're interested in that, look at last week's show notes. This week, we kind of shifted and said, we're going to stick with Angular 2, but let's do mobile this time. So this is Angular 2, Ionic 2 for Cordova. Um, that's, you know, when we talked last week, Andrew and I, we talked about mobile. I've always been kind of a Cordova guy for cross-platform mobile. I know there's a lot of Xamarin people like like Andrew, um, but, you know, again, if you're a web developer, you know, you may have never even touched mobile development and not realize that you can build some great mobile applications just with your your skills that you have for web. Uh, so that's a cool uh, video. We start from nothing and have a completed app in like 15 minutes. So you can definitely check out that that Office Dev Show. Those are always my favorite kinds of um, introductory examples where you can start from scratch and uh, and build something in, in as little time as possible. I think it really helps to paint the whole picture. Yeah, you know, I, I the the guy that really inspired me there was Scott Guthrie. Um, I remember going to TechEd like back in, gosh, I'm going to age myself here, but like some of the early, early TechEds in like, I don't know, 2002 maybe, uh, where uh, Scott, this was when .NET was like brand new and he'd get up on stage yeah. and like in that one hour session, the website that he would build from like an empty project template, like it was just amazing. And he really wouldn't even use much, <laughs> much code snippets. Uh, and that's kind of where like I was inspired, like as an evangelist, when I saw that, I was like, that's like, that resonated with me so well that like he could do that in an hour. So, you know, that's kind of the, the inspiration behind doing these getting started series on, on uh, channel nine is let's just start from a blank slate, you know, no tricks up our sleeve and let's try to get something working in a short amount of time. So, uh, well, cool it's stuff. great to have a, uh, an executive leader at Microsoft with such uh, great demo skills, huh? And coding I know, skills. I know, you know, it's funny. So I, I'm going to, I mentioned last week we're approaching show number 100 and we got to do something good for show 100 for the the Microsoft 
uh, Cloud Show, uh, both uh, Chris Johnson and Andrew Connell got their wives to do Show 100. Like they gave them a <laughs> list of like, here's your discussion topics. Go do go do a show for us. And it was it was actually Great. quite funny. Um, I so listened trying... to the one where they interviewed their kids about what yeah. the cloud was. That was yeah, really that was another good one. You gotta check that one out too. That was their Father's Day special where they had yeah. their kids ask them. You know, and their kids are pretty young. What uh, what the cloud was and do they use the cloud? And uh, it was it was really cute. Um, and you know, so was... my wife pointed out that Andrew must have known that Rackspace did that same thing when I worked there as, as part of you know that SharePoint nine one one group. Uh, we, they asked. They actually interviewed my daughter. She's on YouTube, uh, like three years ago, answering the same question. What's the cloud? <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, uh, that's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to call him out on that now. He probably remembers that. Maybe it was, uh, you know, in the back of his mind when they were thinking about that, and he, he may have forgotten that. But it was a really cute uh, YouTube video. Rackspace did one Christmas. Well, I think we're probably not gonna work with kids. Uh, my my daughter is like. Turned two months old today, so that's tough. Yeah. So that's, she's probably not going to be. I'm going to be like, "What's the cloud?" And uh, I, I don't know how old uh, Coatsy's kids are, but uh, we'll, we'll have to come up with something else. But I was going to go. This is a little bit of a tangent, but what I was going to go is when you when you made the comment, Tom, about it's it's cool to have an executive that inspires that yeah. kind of culture around like actually getting hands hands on with code. I, you know, last week I threw down the gauntlet. I was like, you know what? I'm going to reach out to Jeff Teeper to be on our 100 show. And I, I have a strong feeling Jeff would, would uh, be down with that. Um, and I might still do yeah, that. But sure. the other thought I had was get Scott Goo on here. That would True. be an interesting. It's a dev show, right? Yeah. You could even make a little competition, right, between Jeff and Scott. <laughs> See which one gets the most uh, download activity. I think um, I may have to tweet this out afterwards. I, you know what? By, by by saying it now, it's in the it's public. It's kind of like I've thrown the gauntlet out. But now I don't yeah, want like I don't want Teeper. I don't want Teeper to think that like he's like the, mm. the 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 backup, the second class guy. Because that's not the case at all. I'd love to have them both on the show. Um, it's so apples and oranges. Yeah, it is. It is. So I'll just throw it out there and and see which one bites. And uh, if no one bites, and we have on. Uh, I, I think know. you should get them both. Why? Why be? Why not be ambitious? You could have a hundred and uh, hundred part one and hundred part two. I could. I could. You know what? If I'm going to shoot for this, let's just get like, let's just get like Satya on here and maybe yeah, Trump go. and Hillary. We'll get them both on here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I actually have some cool ideas for the Hunter show. I have some ideas up my sleeve. Um, I'm working on the robotic Jeremy, where I'm taking a sound clip <laughs> over the years, and even though he's moved on to greener pastures, if it, if like as he likes to think in Azure, um, I think he might still the grass be. Grass is always uh, greener on the other side of the street. That's right. right? That's right. So um, yeah, yeah, that's uh, something we're thinking about doing. There is maybe getting a goo or or uh, or teeper. So we'll see. Well, um, I'm happy to be on the 98th episode. 98, man, that's big. That's 98. That's they're all important. So uh, we appreciate you having. It's pretty having amazing. You've you've done this many. I I really have to hand it to you. I know it's a lot of work uh, putting things together and you know finding the news clips and the and the interviewees. So I really have to hand it to you. That's a quite an accomplishment to get uh, get to 98. 
Well, thank you. I, I know that uh, Jeremy played a big role in it for sure, so uh, I'll, I'll pass that on to him as well. Absolutely. Um, a few other things in, in the community. Uh, the, these last two are SharePoint related, which uh, might transition well into our next discussion. But uh, Elio Struff, who is uh, – seems like he has a new post for us every week. Uh, he's – I think he must have like a full-time job developing display templates. That's, I'm just going to go out on a limb. <laughs> Elio, if I'm wrong, let us know. But I think we've had like four consecutive weeks where there's been a display template related post. Uh, he'd been working on things like gulp task to help deploy dis display templates. And so in this uh, blog post this week that we'll have in the show notes, he wrote an article about things to try when something goes wrong with your display template. And if you've worked with display templates, you know, you, you work with this little HTML file that has some cryptic things. And as soon as you save it, it converts it to a JavaScript file and, Things can certainly go wrong between that initial like save and actually trying to work with it. And so he walks through um, a nice little list of things to check all the way from, you know, did you just forget to publish it all the way to more complex scenarios like if there's actually like some, uh, some error in your code. Uh, so definitely check that out. If you're doing things with display templates, I still feel like um, those that haven't really – discovered the power of display templates it's pretty powerful stuff um, and you know even with things like the modern you know SharePoint framework a lot of the display template stuff isn't going anywhere anytime soon um, you know with things like even search results but even content search web part type stuff um, I think you'll see that still in a lot of places so uh, definitely check that out and um, I see that Elio even covers uh, SharePoint Online in his uh, article there, so it's not just a um, an on-prem thing. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's he's spreading the love for sure, for sure. Um, and then the last one I'll point out here is another one of my favorite bloggers is Chris O'Brien out of the UK. Uh, he, Chris is one of those guys that attended one of the SharePoint Framework Dev Kitchen, so he he got early look at this new development model with the SharePoint framework. And so he did a post a few weeks back, kind of that week that of the big uh, May announcement in, in early May, he wrote a post on just kind of in general, his thoughts on the SharePoint framework. Um, this one's pretty interesting. He goes into a lot more detail around understanding the, the schematic of a project. So what does a SharePoint framework project look like? What is where what does the manifest look like? The bundle JSON, the uh, the different files and folders. Now, this certainly is subject subject to change because this is something that's it's not even in a preview right now. It's in like a a, a private private preview, and so it's something that's subject to change. But I still think understanding the ingredients that go into one of these. Uh, modern solutions with the SharePoint framework, I think what you'll find is even if certain things change, uh, I still think you'll be have benefited from seeing how it's put together because it's probably not going to be so drastic that you won't be able to make the correlation between where we are now and where it ends up being. So for those that are dying to get your hands on the SharePoint framework, uh, this is a, a really good article and it's probably the, one of the more detailed ones I've seen thus far. I know that Waldeck has done a few on on building things. Um, that was kind of an end-to-end -end thing. This really goes into a lot of detail around every single 
component that makes up that project when you use the Yeoman generator for it. So. Yeah, you know, Chris is really great at tearing those things down and really diving deep. You, you talked about another uh, um, blog post, I think, a couple of weeks ago on this show, too, where somebody else did the same thing, just kind of investigating the web parts that are making it into SharePoint Online that show um, signs of the SharePoint framework uh, without, you know, a lot of uh, widespread information. Um, That's right. Who was that? I want Was that Mark Anderson? Someone had... had gotten um savvy and and looking through and figuring out what it was uh, i don't recall i think it's in your show share, your show notes from two weeks ago but i, I can't remember either but yeah. yeah it's it's really interesting to see you know the sharepoint framework's really new and the team is really working hard to you know solidify the plans and get more information out there and doing these dev kitchens they're really kind of testing out the idea right um and uh, but everyone's dying to learn more, right? And so you see these uh, deep investigative articles like this one that Chris wrote, um, just kind of trying to dig into whatever's out there already. Yep. So I was I was just looking back. It was Stefan Bauer who who Stephon did this. Bauer, yeah. Did the sneaking around and figuring out what's there. So you know, speaking of MVPs, um, most of those guys are MVPs, and and you came from the MVP community. I guess the other kind of informal announcement is this was kind of the the big renewal week for a lot of our MVPs. So it was cool to see all of the you know hard workers that do so much for the community uh, have all that payoff and see renewals. And I even saw a few new MVPs get uh, crowned for the first time this week. So Lots of activity on uh, Twitter and Facebook around um, all those those community recognition. So uh, congratulations to all the the new MVPs and uh, for those that have been renewed for another year. Thanks for the work you've done. Uh, super super awesome stuff. I absolutely echo that. Congratulations to all the new MVPs and to the renewed MVPs. Big big part of the Microsoft community leaders who are uh, doing a lot of a lot of work out there a new one I, i've seen quite a lot over the last year was uh jeff willinger was he earned his first mvp award this year and i've seen him i bet uh half a dozen times at conferences over the last year i know he's always he's always out there always speaking always always tweeting and uh it's representative of the effort and there's a lot of people in the community that um that do a lot of work that maybe don't earn MVP awards, but I think that the MVP award just kind of is a tip of the spear. It shows you how much community involvement there is in the Microsoft ecosystem. It's a huge thing. I'm a big fan. And apparently it's a nice door into a job at Microsoft if you're interested in working. Lately, it seems that way. I don't think we should make any promises, but that's right. Well, cool. So um, let's let's kind of go back to you, Tom. So um, new new at Microsoft. Tell me about like what you're what team you're on and the sort of things that you're you're working on. So yeah, you interviewed one of my team members, Paul Stubbs, uh, who I'm a big fan of. I've learned a lot over the years from him at uh, at tech eds and SharePoint conferences. Right? Remember when he used to claim to be a SharePoint guy? <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> He's still he's still a SharePoint guy. Uh, I'm working on the Max team, which is Modern Assistance and Support Experience, and um, I'm part of the Office Group. And we work 
with the product team and engineering to document um, the features, the new features of SharePoint and Office 365 and the whole Office suite, really. So uh, my coworkers, for example, I have a coworker that's sharing an office with me right now that I'm bugging, and uh, he works on OneDrive and um, Skype for Business. Uh, end-user content, right? And so we've got that whole coverage of everybody here uh, is a writer in this group, and I've, I've really been enjoying it. So um, are you, um, you know, I know that in the developer space, when we talk to Paul Stubbs, a lot of the documentation that they work on is has been moving to things like, like GitHub. Where where are, is your documentation more like formalized web content that where we've had traditionally in the past? What what kind of what where is is the content that you're working on ending up? Yeah, it's really interesting what the um, what the dev docs group is doing with using GitHub. Of course, he he talked about how their audience kind of naturally um, falls into that GitHub. Uh, area, right? Whereas I'm focused more on the end user content, and we wouldn't necessarily expect your average uh, Office user to go to GitHub to update the content, right? But um, yeah, we've got some tools in progress right now. It, there wasn't really any um, kind of out of the box open source tool like that available for the end user side that that applied really well to the existing content. Um, but there is something being built internally and um, leveraging some existing software to uh, – so you'll see more of that from the whole group in terms of getting the content out there and moving the process closer to the community. We're going to start by um, opening up to, to other people at Microsoft, right? So, for example, Richard, you know a lot about SharePoint, right? If there was an article I was working on, uh, right now, you could you could send me an email and say, "Hey, Tom, um, did you notice? Right, you could you could improve this article by just adding a line or something, right, or adding some coverage." But in the future, we may be able to, uh, starting internally at Microsoft, to say, "Open that up and give you permission to go in and edit," and I could just go in and um, you know approve the edits, right? Nice. Wow. So like. Uh... Certainly helps to distribute that load and get more eyes on it and, and contributing to it. I think that's a, a awesome awesome opportunity. I think. Well, we talk about the you know the ecosystem with the SharePoint MVPs and really, like I said, they're just the um, tip of the iceberg. Really, there's a lot of people behind that you know that that are experts on uh, these technologies and. Um, so opening it up to the wider Microsoft is a good start, and then uh, moving it out further into the um, into the community, I think it really just benefits all of us. Cool. So what sort of um, on the end user space? What sort of things are you looking at? Like the the new things that were announced around the the big um, uh, May May fourth event um, around uh, SharePoint. Uh, are those some of the things that you're working on document, documenting? Yeah, absolutely. So um, let me back up too. I didn't. I don't think I answered your whole question about where our content goes. Just so people, you have a reference point. Um, you know, most of the articles I'm working on go to, or almost all of them really, go to support.office.com. Right. So those articles that you see, uh, Max is responsible for writing most of the content for those, um, and 
most recently, you know, in the last three months, I've got really kind of two workloads. We've got one, we've got all this new stuff coming in, and I've been focused on the SharePoint mobile app among the new content. And then we've got a lot of existing content, and we need to work in, you know, like the new document library um, experience with the old document library experience, and even online um We'll have that classic mode document library experience. So there's a lot of existing content that's being viewed by a lot of people. Um, so there's a lot of um, kind of strategic decisions we need to make about how we um, how we reuse that content and how we why we modernize it too. Yeah, I can see how that would be a, a big challenge. You know, we're getting. Um, like all these derivatives of kind of achieving the same thing. And especially for like end users that they go and use something and then go and look for the, the documentation for that is how, um, how do you kind of direct them to um, the kind of view that they're, they're, they're experiencing. So they're like, what is this? I don't have document, document libraries that look like this. So um, I can see the, the challenges that you certainly probably are facing in, in developing all that new stuff. You know, and it's really interesting to me to see it from this side because, um, you know, I've been writing about SharePoint for years. I've been I've been blogging about it, and um, and I was talking to another recent MVP hire in this group, um, Ben Shore, who works on um, on other Office products. He's been a MVP for ten years before coming to Microsoft and uh, around OneNote and Outlook, and um, he was saying, look, if I write if I answer a question in a forum, you know, I'm, I'm helping one person directly. And if I write a blog post, it might be read by thousands of people. But some of these decisions we're making on support.office.com are being viewed by millions of people, right? Um, and so there's really, um, you know, a lot of thought being put into how to present the, the right amount of content and um, the correct content and the most helpful content and get that in front of people quickly. So how do you guys go about like prioritizing like what like importance of things? Is that, is that something you guys do um, like get together and, and have like a meeting? Is that something that kind of comes down from engineering? Like what, what's kind of the, the way things get distributed and, and prioritized? Yeah, well, it's it's definitely a partnership with engineering, right? Um, and and the product team, they are making the decisions on where the the future is uh, for the product, and also they have a lot of insight into, um, you know, what's what are the most used features? What are uh, we work with support too to understand what are the um, you know most asked about questions in terms of support call volume. And um, certainly, you know, we can take input from from the field as well, right? From uh, from people like you that are out talking to customers, and from uh, and I'd like to see more input from MVPs. But um, beyond that, you know, that kind of anecdotal partnership of you know aligning with uh, with plans uh, of the engineering team and uh, aligning with this, the call volume for support, uh, we also are a data-driven organization like most in um, in Microsoft. I'm sure you've been at Microsoft longer than I. You've probably seen the uh, emphasis on data, Richard. Has it been, has it been a change lately, I've heard? Um, I mean, 
I, I would say so. I've I've switched around roles a few times within Microsoft, so um, you know it's it's I, I think different based upon where you are. But um, yeah, I mean I think that uh, Satya certainly inspires things to be kind of derived by by data and actual findings versus maybe more emotional driven leadership. I, don't, I, I hope I'm not saying something horrible here, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I think that that really aligns with what I heard both externally and, and coming in here, right. Is that, um, you know, they, not only are we enabling, you know, uh, Microsoft customers to take advantage of, uh, new offerings and in intelligence for Microsoft, right. But internally within Microsoft, we're, trying to use those intelligence options that, you know, big data and analytics to help us improve the right. product. And part of the product experience is, is content. So um, I think that absolutely is um, what everybody's hearing. Cool. So, you know, obviously content development in the, in the past has truly been like this, like separated world between on-premises and online. And as, as we are moving closer to having things be more consistent across online and, and on-premises, we're still not there yet. So how, like, help me understand like, the efforts of the team and how they relate to developing content for SharePoint Online versus SharePoint On-Premises. Well, I'll give you a really good example. So I've been focused, um, you know, we've got a, a lot of new content features coming in, like you, like we talked about with SharePoint Online, the May 4th events. Um, and then we've got a huge basis of existing content for SharePoint out there already. And so I'm kind of taking on that task of um, the SharePoint on-prem. But one place where um, we cross over is in this this new SharePoint mobile app. Have you downloaded the SharePoint mobile app yet, Richard? I have, yes. Yep. And um, you can see that it uh, right away, when you launch the app, you get the opportunity to connect to SharePoint Online and uh, to SharePoint On-Prem, and you can switch back and forth, right? And um, so that's one area where we've got a mix of new content features, SharePoint Online content, and uh, SharePoint server content as well for the on-premises and uh, hosted folks as well. And uh, I was really excited to be able to take that one on. Very cool. So is that – have you found that to be – a challenging thing, kind of keeping your mind in, in kind of one camp versus the other? Well, yeah, I think there, there's definitely a challenge around that, right? We've got a lot of existing customers on, I think a lot of them are in SharePoint uh, 2013 right now. Um, I think a vast majority of people and, um, and they're looking for, for help uh, every day. Right. And, um, one way they get to support.office.com is the uh, the help icons and the in uh, the context sensitive help. You know where there's links in the um, user interface that link to support.office.com articles. And a lot of times you might not even see that because you're just popping open a browser window without the address at the top. But those are all going to um, articles that are hosted on support.office.com too. So in that case, we really have the opportunity to say, oh, this 
we know the product this person's using, right? So we can we can target that experience to them and really give a better experience. When you're talking about the general Google search for, you know, how do I um, add a list item, right? Or how do I create a new list? Uh, you have to be more generic in the original approach, right? You have to not assume uh, who, where, what version of the product the customer is coming from. And um, I think I've been dealing with that. We've probably all been dealing with that, right? As we, you've been evangelizing Office 365 and, and SharePoint, you know people are in different places. And uh, I've been writing about SharePoint over the years. And, you know, we've always, we've always had to take that into consideration. There's, there's still people on old versions of SharePoint. I've done consulting work for people that didn't even realize they had critical systems running on versions, um, you know, like 2007, when I was working on somebody to upgrade them from 2010, they would tell me they didn't even have another SharePoint farm. And then we do investigations and we find out they have an older one. So, uh, so yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot to consider there. So, um, you know, some of the ways you can approach it is by offering options, uh, linking between versions of the content, or uh, also in some cases you can just address it generically like creating a new list item hasn't really changed uh, much over the years, although it's starting to change in uh, SharePoint Online today, isn't it? Yep. Well, that's interesting. You know, um, you actually tweeted something that I, I had seen, and this was uh, a kind of a demographics survey out of SP TechCon. So for those that aren't familiar, SP TechCon, I would venture to say it's probably the biggest SharePoint conference that is executed in the U.S. outside of like probably the biggest non-Microsoft SharePoint conference, right? Um, things like Ignite certainly have a gigantic scale, um, and SP TechCon is probably kind of behind that. And um, you, you did this um, – you, you tweeted this post by, by David Rubenstein who um, – runs SP TechCon and it was they they basically surveyed about 150 attendees of the conference and tried to get a feel for where they were in SharePoint. Uh so um and some of these statistics were were pretty interesting because I don't always get to see some of the telemetry around um you know like you might see with things like the support docs. Um you know, so here, um, you know, at this conference, and and I would be interesting to see this at like a bigger scale at like Ignite. But uh, for Office 365, there was 12.6 p- uh, percent claimed to have migrated 100 percent to Office 365 and used that exclusively. So that's probably not that surprising to me. You know, even Microsoft, we're not in that boat. We have a lot of on-premises stuff, and um, I would say. The majority of our, I like to call it um, commodity type sites, so team sites and OneDrive sites and, um, you know, good old project sites, those for the most part all are all migrated. But we, we do certainly have some specialty sites that um, maybe because of the uh, the business impact of the site, so maybe it's like our investor SharePoint farm uh where there's lots of highly sensitive information, maybe that's for one reason why it hasn't moved, or maybe it has more of like lots of full trust solutions that haven't been min migrated. But um, 
we probably fall more along the lines of another statistic in here, which was uh, talking about hybrid. So about uh, 23.4 said 23.4% said that they run a hybrid solution, uh, hybrid SharePoint. Um, and that, that probably, so kind of combine the two, you know, you're looking at about, I don't know, 35 percentage, I guess, that had some flavor of, they were using some SharePoint online today. Um, and then there was a whole bunch of other people that talked about like it was on their roadmap. Um, any kind of thoughts out of this, Tom? Like when you were reading this, what stood out to you? Yeah, so let's start with the first one, the 12% that claim uh, they're using Office 365 exclusively. The reason I pointed that out, that it really stuck out to me about, especially about SP TechCon, is when you think about, you know, to the SharePoint conferences and Ignite now, when you're going to that conference, um, you're expecting Microsoft to come and tell you kind of a vision of the future and all the latest stuff and how people have been using the latest stuff. And it's kind of expected that's, you know, what you're going to get out of that event and that what you're hoping to get is things nobody else knows except for Microsoft employees in a lot of cases, right? And they're sharing it a lot of times for the first time. When you're going to a conference like SP TechCon, it's more of um, there. There are some people who who don't um, don't know the latest and greatest, but really, there's a lot of people who uh, don't really have a choice. They're the implementers, they're the developers, the architects, right? And uh, what you hear commonly when I've been uh, speaking at SP TechCon events is that there's a need for, you know, SharePoint 2013 content because a lot of people are using SharePoint 2013. So when you're going to SP TechCon and you have that in mind that people aren't really trying to uh, push for the latest and greatest content at this conference, I think it, it sticks out even more that um, you've got this 12.6% that are exclusively using Office 365. That's a really good perspective. You know, I never really thought about it that way, but I think you're spot on. You know, um, a lot of times when you go to Ignite, not only is it like primarily Microsoft's message, a lot of times it's primarily Microsoft employees that are speaking. Um, you know, we'll have a, an MVP sprinkled in here and there, but um, I, I think that's that's it's it is it's our conference and it's our opportunity to give our version of um, information and to disclose new information. And and having gone to things like SP TechCon and Dev Intersection and some of these other conferences that cover SharePoint, I think that um, I think that's like absolutely spot on. Never thought about that with that number, but uh, yeah, cool, cool um, correlation there. Yeah, and then I think that the 23% on hybrid is also uh, significant as well because I think we are seeing uh, a big shift in here uh, on on the hybrid solution, both from Microsoft's perspective on hybrid and from the customer perspective on hybrid. And I think this 23% number, again, thinking the perspective of the audience of this poll, right, SP TechCon attendees who are looking to take advantage of what they have installed right now as opposed to trying to learn the, the latest and greatest, I think that 20%, 23% hybrid is is really significant. Yep. The other number I saw in here, just kind of looking through this, is that there was uh, 73.2 of the respondents said they were enthusiastic about 
Office 365. Um, and and I, like I, I got to think that you know we're we're a developer show, uh, and I, I can't I can't think that there's too many developers that will complain about. They might complain about not being able to use like the old ways they've developed, but like I know I don't miss setting up farms and yeah. carrying around a super big laptop that like broke my back when I traveled through airports because I needed to run a farm and, and carry that farm with me everywhere I went. <laughs> so I got to think I got to yeah. think the developers are happy about that. So I don't know. Um, again, the IT pros maybe not so much, but uh, to me that's a positive thing. Again, looking at um, you know the type of conference it is that. Uh, that's a, a pretty good majority are are optimistic about it. Well, you know, in Richard, here's somewhere where I have a um, somewhat of a unique perspective because I've been a developer. That's how I entered the space, right? You know, writing web parts and writing page layouts and and master pages and going back to the Microsoft Content Management Server days. Um, but then. You know, one of the things I found out about being a SharePoint developer is you had to learn how to install SharePoint, right? You kind of had to manage your own yep. server because there really weren't people uh, that knew it well enough to, to do it for you, right? And uh, very, basically every developer needed their own SharePoint server. So I absolutely love that aspect of Office 365, the fact that you can set up a developer site collection and uh, and get started right away in um, in the SharePoint app development uh, very quickly. And we're seeing more and more of that focus on the client-side development, which is going to make it even easier, you know, to use that service-based approach of, of reusing um, services from outside of, of SharePoint and across SharePoint in new SharePoint framework uh, development work. But I think the other point you mentioned is just as important. You know, I've done the Microsoft Certified Master Training, which was really very IT pro focused and really a lot of, you know, checking off the prerequisites to get to the MCM because there were a lot of IT pro prereqs to get into the course. Um, had to do with the fact that I was I had learned so much about setting up SharePoint just so I could do any SharePoint development, right? Yeah. But because of that, I got that that IT Pro, um, you know, mindset a little bit too. And uh, we talk about how, you know, in the tech world, you always need to be learning, and I think you also always need to be thinking about moving up the stack. I mean, some people could stay low-level programmers or admins uh, for a long time, right? But I think for the for the majority of us, there's always an opportunity to say, um, like we were talking about open source, take advantage of the packages out there, right? Same thing on the IT Pro side. This hybrid and the authentication issues involved with it are really uh, complex challenges to solve. And they're different than the IT Pro challenges for installing and setting up and maintaining a SharePoint environment, um, but they're they're actually in some ways even more complex. Yep. Um, another thing, the last thing I'll throw out here I, that kind of stood out to me was eleven uh, percent have already installed SharePoint 2016. On a new server, and that's great. 
I, I gotta I gotta think that that's not necessarily like production or like well I, I guess I don't know but like to me that's pretty that's a higher number than I would have expected given we just kind of RTM'd SharePoint 2016 in just the last few months so. Um, well, again, thinking of the audience of this SP TechCon event, you know, I would say probably a third of them are experienced IT pros or some have some amount of experience with SharePoint. And uh, I think you're right. They, they, I don't think in the question, at least in the results, they don't make it clear that they were asking what type of environment that was installed on. So, I mean, I absolutely wouldn't be surprised that, you know, if a third of the attendees are IT pros, that a third of them have at least tried out installing SharePoint 2016 at this point. But I think that's an encouraging number. Well, I'd really be interested. I don't know how we'd go about doing this. Um, we'll figure out something maybe in the future, but I'd love to get a feel for the listeners of the podcast. I know that we call this the Office 365 Developer Podcast, but I know that We've had listeners reach out to me and reach listeners reach out to Jeremy back when he was a co-host on the show, um, asking for things like, "Hey, we want to hear more about like on-premises development with SharePoint and like how do you do things like the add-in model on-premises." So um, I, I'd be really curious to hear what the the demographic is. My guess is it would probably lean a little bit more towards the Office 365 side just because of the name of the show, but um, I, I thought this was an interesting uh, output from SP TechCon and them sharing kind of what they found from the survey. And I'd like to find some way for us to to replicate it sometime. So, I think it's a great idea. Speaking of conferences, Tom, we have a big one coming up here in a couple of weeks. Are you going to get to participate at all in, in the internal big uh, tech-ready conference that we have going on? Well, I'm I'm new to Microsoft. I don't know all of the uh, uh, the ways into these things, um, but I certainly will be here in Redmond. I don't think I've been tapped by anyone to present yet for the uh, for this conference coming up. Um, I am going to be speaking at uh, SharePoint Fest Seattle in August, coming up August fifteenth, and nice. I'll, I know I will be uh, working at Ignite in September as well. Cool. We'll definitely um, try to try to catch Tom if if you're out and about at one of those conferences. And then for the the uh, tech ready one, the one thing I would say, and this probably isn't helpful for all our listeners, but we do have a big, like we have at some of the big Microsoft conferences, we have an Ask the Experts night where the all the different like field resources can come in, and and you should definitely try to um, come in and hang out for that. It's a a lot of why it feels like a, a high school reunion a lot because you get to see all the, um, you know, the guys that you normally see at, at external conferences. So it's pretty fun. So definitely check that out. Well, that's great. I'll, I will check that out. Cool, man. Well, I really appreciate you being on the show. Um, again, I, I'm super jazzed that you're a blue badger now and, and hopefully you have a, a great summer. And um, we'll have to get you on the show again here soon and hear how things are, are going. Thanks so much for having me, Richard. Again, I really uh, congratulate you on your efforts here. Uh, I know it's a lot of hard work, and I've been enjoying the show. I've been listening on my short commute, and uh, so keep up the good work. Thanks a lot. All right, well, tune in again next week. Hopefully uh, we'll have Andrew back, and we'll see uh, how that 
17-hour plane ride across the Pacific Ocean was for him. (laughs) Catch you next week. Well, that's all for this week. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all our podcasts, the developer program, and other amazing content. Also, make sure you follow us at OfficeDev on both Twitter and Facebook. Until next week, get your code on.